from the rule of Ulpamsi Bendit, chapter the sixtieth, De Sacerdotibus, qui forte volverit in monasterio habitare, of priests who may wish to dwell in monastery. If anyone in priestly orders ask to be received to the monastery, let not consent be too quickly granted him. But if he persists in his request, let him know that he will have to observe all the discipline of the rule, and that nothing will be relaxed in his favour, according as it is written, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Let him nevertheless be allowed to stand next to the abbot, to give the blessing, and to say Mass, if the abbot bid him do so. Otherwise, let him presume to do nothing, knowing that he is subject to the discipline of the rule, but rather let him give an example of humility to all. And if there be a question of any appointment or other business in the monastery, let him expect the position due to him according to the time of his entrance, and not that which was yielded to him out of reverence for the priesthood. If any cleric should desire, in the same way, to be admitted into the monastery, let them be placed in a little rank, but in their case also, only on condition that they promise observance of the rule and stability therein. But thou, o Lord, have mercy upon us. Saint Benedict has treated uh, in chapter fifty-eight of the man who seeks entrance to the monastery, the man who comes of his own. Free will and presents himself uh, at the door of the cloister. And then in chapter 59, he treats of the children who are uh, brought to the monastery uh, by their parents and made over to God as pure offerings, mm -hmm. as uh, oblations. And today he treats of the third way by which the monastic family can grow, and it is by uh, the admission of priests into the monastic family. St. Benedict says, as one would expect, let not consent be too quickly granted. He says this not only about priests, he says it also about any man who comes to the monastery seem that the procedure for priests is the same as for uh, men who present themselves at the door of the cloister, uh, as he uh, sets forth in chapter 58. Let not consent be too quickly granted him. But if he persist in his request, and this is a, a very interesting little phrase, 
floods, it has happened um, multiple times since the foundation of our monastery. Uh, that priests have asked to be received into the monastery. Uh, I think, oh, at least five or six priests have uh, made the initial request. Of these, only Brother Hildebrand persevered. Um, this, I, I think, sometimes has to do with the motives that would drive a priest to seek uh, admission to the monastic family. In many cases, um, parish life proves uh, not only arduous, uh, demanding, but uh, can also be profoundly lonely and discouraging. And many priests in these circumstances um, uh, seek out a monastery uh, and in some way think that the monastic life will be the solution to all their difficulties in parish life. And when I say that a number of priests have, have um, asked they would have been, for the most part, priests in difficulty and uh, almost grasping at straws, looking for a way to make sense of their lives. And uh, with many of these priests, I, I simply spent time, helped them to develop a discipline, a rhythm of daily prayer, encouraged them to spend time before the Blessed Sacrament, talk to them about the virtue of saying no to things, no to requests. Um, and these priests have either uh, happily returned to parish life or become oblates of the monastery while continuing their uh, duties as diocesan priests. Uh, so Brother Hildebrand is the first priest uh, to be accepted to enter, to be clothed. But if he persists in his request, let him know that he will have to observe all the discipline of the rule. No exceptions are made in favor of the priest postulate, the priest novice. He, like anyone else, has to begin at the very beginning learn what it means to follow Christ as a monk. Nothing will be relaxed in his favor. Um, there was a time when priests admitted to the monastery would enjoy certain privileges from uh, the very beginning. And um, this led to priests who were not quite monks and uh, never really uh, engaged in conversatio morum. Um, so there have been uh, unhappy examples of priests who were good fellows, uh, pious enough, and uh, wanted the companionship of monastic life and entered uh, and were allowed to continuing their priestly ministry, um, merely changing their outward appearance. 
at the end of the day, the priest never really becomes monk. He becomes um, uh, something uh, in between. So nothing is to be relaxed in the favor of the priest. And then St. Benedict quotes this uh, line uh, from St. Matthew's account of the Passion and applies it to the priest, Amice ad quid vedisti. Do you know to whom that is addressed in the Passion? Uh, to Judas, of course. Uh, so uh, St. Benedict, in this very subtle way, sobering manner, as if to say to the priest, be certain that you know what you're doing. But these, these words, amice ad quid venisti, friend, uh, uh, to what end hast thou come, uh, meaning hast thou come to the monastery, uh, St. Bernard, uh, the great St. Bernard, would often ask himself, in his early years of monastic life, Bernarde ad quid venisti. Bernard, for what hast thou come? And I find this phrase very helpful when a brother is in crisis. I find it, I ask myself, for what hast thou come? Sometimes in moments of prayer before the Blessed Sacrament, uh, I hear our Lord uh, say, uh, For this hast thou come, meaning uh, to abide in silence and in adoration, in the radiance of this Eucharistic face. Many times our Lord has said, For this have I brought thee here, for this hast thou So, uh, one does well to ask oneself the question, ad quid venisti? Not only uh, the priest who enters the monastery, but each one of us uh, needs to renew uh, the purity of his initial resolution. Let him nevertheless be allowed to stand next to the abbot. Um, this Standing, postavat and stare, does not mean uh, everywhere in the monastery. Um, the, the little word stare, followed by et benedicere, is an indication that the context here is liturgical. This means that the priest who enters the monastery will be called upon to stand next to the abbot, that is to say, to serve at the altar in the sanctuary and to give blessings as needed. And to say Mass. And the Latin says to hold Mass ad misantene. And to say Mass uh, if the abbot bid him do so. So uh, the 
priest novice is entirely dependent, as the, the priest monk will be entirely dependent on the um, decision of the abbot with regard to the exercise of his priesthood. Otherwise, let him presume to do nothing. St. Benedict here doesn't mean nothing at all from the context. Otherwise, let him presume to do nothing uh, priestly in character, knowing that he is subject to the discipline of the rule, but rather let him give an example of humility to all. Et magis humilitatis exemplar omnibus debt. So at the very heart of chapter 60 is this et magis humilitatis exemplar omnibus debt. St. Benedict would have the outstanding characteristic of the priest monk be the example of this humility. Of course this takes us, doesn't it, into the upper room. It takes us into um, the fourth gospel, wherein St. John recounts uh, the example of humility given by our Lord when he washed the feet of the apostles. So uh, the priest, monk, is bound to give uh, the greatest example of humility. It's almost as if St. Benedict wants to associate humility more closely to the order of the priesthood. I find this um, full of um, insight into the um, victimal character of the priesthood. This self-empty this kenosis uh, that the priest not only stands at the altar but places himself on the altar uh, not only does he hold the victim in his hands he becomes one with the victim and uh, this participation in the self-emptying of Christ in the humility of the host is translated into the humility of the priest monk. The, the sacred host is the, I like to call the sacred host the icon of the humility of God. And the priest is above all the man, the host, isn't he? And it seems to me that because the priest places the host on the corporal, because the priest takes the host in his hands, because the priest raises the host above his head to show the body of Christ to the faithful, because the priest breaks and eats and distributes the host, the priest is the man of the host. And therefore, humility is the outstanding virtue of the priest. One cannot handle the body of the priestus passus without being drawn after him into a profound 
And if there be a question of any appointment or other business in the monastery, let him expect the physician due to them according to the time of his entrance, and not that which was yielded to him out of reverence for the priesthood. This means that when appointments are made, So it's remarkable that St. Benedict uh, treats in these chapters, and tomorrow we will treat of yet another way by which the, the monastic family could grow, and that is by the aggregation of, um, he says, stranger monks. That is, monks uh, from other monasteries. So there are four ways of recruiting. The first is um, the man presents himself at the door of the monastery and asks to be admitted. The second is the child who is presented by his parents and received as an oblate. Um, the third, uh, the priest or the cleric who asks to be admitted. And tomorrow the monk who, uh, belonging to another monastery, uh, asks to uh, fix his stability. So these are the four ways in which a monastery grows. <laughs> 